Folks, welcome inside the Parisi Palace, high above 3733 East Broadway. This is a live edition of the Jake Feinberg Show. Comedy on Power Talk, please go to our website, powertalk.live. Download our free app and stream all of our live local programming, including Solomon on Blast, the Jim Parisi Show, and yours truly, the Jake Feinberg Show. And we can't thank you enough for making us part of your day today. And we, as we continue to stretch the lineage of music going back as many as as many as half many years as half a century it's so wonderful to be able to talk to cats from all different parts of the country who were really raised with regional music regional hotbeds of music with their own authentic rhythms coming from their own authentic people who came there from a variety of different ways via diaspora and um this, this guy, is, we've been friends on new media for quite some time, and uh, he's had a decorated career, a natural player, uh, did not learn within the four walls of academia, but wound up playing with so many luminary characters, including Bobby Williams and Eddie Bowe, Johnny Adams, James Rivers, Isaac Hayes, and Aaron Neville and the Neville Brothers. Uh, he's a bass player and a singer, just a fine individual. Paul Boudreaux, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Uh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey. How you doing, brother? How's it going down there? Oh, just hot, man. Summertime in New Orleans is brutal. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll wager you that, I mean, Tucson can compete with you in a big way, brother. You know, we're, we're, cooking, we're cooking the groove at about 90 degrees at 6 in the morning. So we're, we're up in the once. Oh, Arizona. Jeez, I can't compare to that. <laughs> I mean, it, it just seems like that, that – um, the gumbo, the humidity down there is a little bit different. Uh, this is dry heat, but it still cooks, and so yeah, it's just it hard. It's hard to do yard work. It's hard to meditate outside. It's hard to do anything really until wow that man. sun goes down. It's uh, and we're now dealing with uh, severe climate change. I'll go on the record right now and say that I mean I I don't like to say this, uh, but I I just have a feeling that um, we're going to have in this country a devastating uh loss of land uh via climate change with within our life so, within yeah. our lifetimes yeah. you know i mean you already you already it's evident it's evident man it's evident it's happening it, it, i mean you got land corrosion right now in louisiana you know you know i mean some of some parts of of, uh, of the bottom of louisiana just 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 ain't there no more you know? exactly no and i mean Corroded. we're, we're yeah. talking about uh I'm talking about, you know, like, I mean, you see these sinkholes in Florida and I, I just see that, yeah. you know, I just I just see myself a, a whole chunk of land with millions of people just falling right off. Anyway, that's it's kind of, dis- wow, dis- you know, it's just it's the way it is. The, the, the you know, that's the point I wanted you to talk about when you were first coming up, uh, because we are really at, at a point now in our in the United States uh, where we are consistently pushing back against true nature, against mother nature, against true nature against yeah. okay against what is just going in the line of what mother nature says not just you know in the weather component but i mean you look at all these things the way we're changing diversifying we look different we sound different we are different you know this from being in new orleans it's one of the last regional right. hotbeds but then when you talk about it from the music point of view now you have everything you can get it down to the the zero zero point one percent you can get everything perfect via technology and computers and digitization and I just right. wanted you to talk a little bit about when you started to just, when you picked up the bass, um, how natural, not necessarily how it felt, but the music itself, when you got into playing with other people, you know, how you were really, if you felt like you were channeling 
nature at that point? Yeah, uh, when I, you know, uh, being raised uh, uh, in New Orleans around music all the time, you know, I just, I just, I guess it was in me all the time, but uh, I didn't realize until I got to Germany when I, I bought a bass guitar, and I, and I, when I bought that guitar, I plugged it up, and the power of 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 of, of hearing me play a note, you know, you know, you know, and, and it, it, it 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 gave me a sense of like of. I'm part of, of, of what I've been hearing on radio, you know, like all the, all the hit records, all that, all the good stuff, all the good desires coming out of New Orleans. It gave me a sense that I was a purpose now, you know, like, like I, hey, man, I, I can do this now, you know, you know. And it gave me a, 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 a sense that, that, that I am part of, of the future now, you see. Yeah, I dig. I can take it, I can take it to the next level, you see, you know, you know, you know, you know, like I heard the old guys, you know, the guys earlier. So I can, so now I, I'm in it. I pick up the bass. I was uh, 20, 21 years old, you know, when I, when I first picked the bass up and that, and that like, man, you know, I had power. <laughs> you, know? I want, you know, I want, you know, this is interesting because I mean, I, I love your generation. I mean, I'm 39 and, and, you know, we, my generation and younger generations, we, you probably hear this with younger cats too. Oh, he's, you hear, oh, he's better than this guy. He's better than this guy. Based on technical chops, based on feel. Feel, feel. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Let, let's be clear. I, younger cats are, uh, you know, we're talking about chops and facility, and, and, that's, mm -hmm. and that's what determines uh, what, if they consider, if, if, it's, if someone's a superior musician, when it's about feel. And I just want you to riff. Right. I want you to riff on feel because all the I don't care if it's Chuck Rainey or whether it's you know Wilton Felder. Or, I mean, I've interviewed all the cats, and now I get to interview you. And I want you mm -hmm. to talk about truthfully feel because that's. I mean, everybody has the same twelve notes to play with. It's what you do with the notes wow. and how you feel exactly. the note. All right. So I want you to just riff on that, please. You know, uh, that's probably why uh, 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 I was able to uh, do session with. With, with Eddie Bo, you know, because Eddie Bo heard, heard me play live, you know. And the first thing he said was, hey, man, you got a, a great feel, you know, for this music, you know. And uh, I was able to do, uh, you know, sessions, you know, as, as a beginner bass player, I was doing, like, sessions, you know. But because of the feel, as opposed to Chops. Chops, uh, I met guys, man, through my travels, guys who can read charts, from around the corner, they can read charts with one eye upside down. They can read charts, and when you take the charts away from them, they can't play music. <laughs> you know, because they're looking at digits. They they, they 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 see music as as digits and dots and flags and colors. You know, whatever. And I don't see music like that. You know, I hear music and I feel music first. You know, you know. And and uh, when when you, when you play in the band with other guys, uh, 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 if, if there's a one or two guys in the band that don't have the right feel, they can bring that band down to an amateur level. It'll never sound complete if everybody in that band don't have, especially in the rhythm section. You know, you you, you might get by with horn if if you're playing horn parts and not soloing, but if you're in the rhythm section and you don't have a good feel. It'll come, you know, it that that band will not be at its best, you know, you know. I mean, is it, least, it, it was it every, was it just everything? Yeah, well, I mean, do you feel some? Uh, 
is the saturation of material that's available today for peeps to check out, is it too much? So then their head's too full of, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, there's the Paul, the, the Paul Boudreaux, uh, you know, uh, songbook and there's the, you know, you get the, the you got so much material now via YouTube and stuff out there. When with you guys, you basically listen to a radio track. You didn't have a chance to rewind it. You had to just have, you had to listen to it and then you had to figure, kind of figure it out yourself. I mean, do you think, right. That, you can't. Yeah. Right. You can't see videos. <laughs> you know, and I just, I, I mean, I, can you, t- can you talk about, I guess, can you, t- I think also what's really important is that uh, even the generation that preceded you or a little bit before you, um, you know, uh, and I'm talking about the studio musicians uh, in New York, uh, guys that preceded Chuck, Chuck Rainey and Bernard Purdy. Chuck and, Rainey. Okay. Yeah. But before those guys, the bass lines were very simple. All right, and then right, and they right, and they yeah, kind of just basic. very basic, and then all of a sudden, you know, when you got into this sort of what you might call fusion or crossover music, you know, the bass lines became a little bit more complex, but yet they still felt so good. I mean, can you talk about the role? Yeah. Can you talk about when you got involved with cats like Bobby Williams or Eddie, you know, Bo? You know, essentially not just the role of the bass, but also how it was complex but yet still felt so how did it still feel so good because now i i go to sometimes i go to see live music and and i watch a bass player or anybody in there and their facility is great but i wind up staring at the wall because it's just very sterile yeah you know uh uh compared to what what we had to do back in the days man you know which which made us a little more creative because a lot of times we might misinterpret Apart, because you're <laughs> right, right, you're, you're, you're only hearing it on radio, you know. You know, <laughs> so you think, right? I think he's doing this, right? So when you do that, you have, if it's not exactly that, you have created another, another part, you know. So, but these guys, man, when when they 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 get on YouTube and they learn this stuff lick for lick, and it, but there's no feel. You see, because they now now they they they're getting their chops together. They got guys that the man play triplets on bass, like you know, all that's that's fine. But when it come down to a bass line that moves you, that's a great big difference than just a bunch of slapping notes. You see, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, when I was Eddie Bow, what he wanted was he wanted solid stomping bass. You know, a solid bass line that repeats for a certain amount of measures, loops back, you know, elevates you, bring it down, and moves you, you know. And that's what we are. Uh, with Bobby Williams, he was that kind of drummer that had that kind of uh, 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 fire, you see. You know, and it was three-piece band, man, three-piece. Uh, Lewis Clark, Bobby Williams, and Paul Boudreaux. That was Eddie Bowles' rhythm section. You know, Eddie played play piano in the sessions. And a lot of times we were getting there, man, and uh, you know he just say, "Look, I got an idea for a song, you know." And he, and, 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 and but he depend on us to really put the meat to the song, you know. He might say, uh, uh, "Give me something funky in G," you know. So we play what we, did, what uh, we I do. I just love know? this. Talking, about, dude, Paul, you know? Paul Boudreaux on fire already. I mean, this is one of the most. This is a deep. So I mean, because Earl Palmer, another New Orleans cat, who eventually went out to. You know, to be the studio cat drummer in L.A. Yeah. When he yeah. first got out there, you just nailed it. They said the same thing. Hal Blaine, who was the who meant was you know Earl was one of his mentors. I mean, it would be like yeah. 
it would be they'd be like you know play a play a rock groove play something like that like a rock groove there was no yeah. charts it was it's it was written. all feel it's not right yeah it right. was all yeah, feel yeah, yeah, and yeah. that and that goes and I want this is where I want to transport I want to promote this as best you can being somebody who has been in the bastion of of the bayou in New Orleans how much how 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 much is uh, because when cats go to when I talk to the some cats who you know jazzers for instance who went on world tours um, uh, you know with Benny Carter or you know could be dizzy or anybody you know when they would go to the motherland of Africa or the surrounding countries around like Egypt uh, there there was none of the music was notated it was all right. passed down from teacher to student and can you talk about how <laughs> how absolutely uh what's the right word i'm looking for that is part of african-american music and i want you to talk about that as it relates to your people the music of of new orleans and ultimately the music that goes back to the motherland the idea of saying let's not notate everything it's you know you know because the europeans couldn't figure it out they couldn't figure the music out so then they notated it but it was always just about it was a call and response and I, i really just want you this is what my show has been about and i just want you to riff on that Wow, wow, man! You know that, that that's really something, man. Because <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I was raised on a, a street called the South Street, which was where the Dewdrop Inn was. The How do you spell Inn. that? How do you that spell was... that word? How do you spell that name? Dewdrop. No, 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 no. The, the the road, the road you were on. Oh, La Salle Street. La Salle. L A, yeah, La L A, S A L L E. You know, and uh, <clears throat> on that street it was a. Uh, a big, a big, a, a, you know, big wide street. So you had parade passing there all the time. You had the Mardi Gras Indians all the time. You had second line bands. You know, so as a kid, all I heard was just rhythm, just just that New Orleans rhythm, man. You know, you know, and that was straight from that the African drum from Congo Square. You see, you know, you know, you know, like it was like. Unbelievable, man! Like, like how much, how much we heard that as as children being raised in New Orleans, you know, you know, especially uptown New Orleans, you know, because uh, uh, if somebody died, that was a jazz funeral, so that was a parade, that was music, you know. The Mardi Gras Indians, they had guys playing tambourines, they were tapping on uh, beer cans and a, 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 a coke bottle, a piece of iron, or a cowbell, all rhythms, and those rhythms was from Africa, you know. And uh, so uh, 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 how the, did you how did you how, how did you how did you incorporate? Well, I guess the I guess I also want to know as you were a kid, how much were you? Um, I mean, how much did your family infuse in you about the roots and the history? I mean, literally, the trap set was created in Congo Square. You know, it was a combination right, of all these, right. you know, I mean, like I, I've done my woodshedding for a while here, you know I mean? Like, you know, man, Bill, you, Bill Summers, you know, yeah, Bill Summers right. broke it all down for me, man. Like, you know I mean? It was like, yes, you put, yes, you put together, you, know, you put together these things and then all of a sudden it became a trap set. But really it was like, you know, you'd go and uh, on the weekends, the slave owners would allow the cats to play. And then they, all of a sudden, they would allow the Congress where to play. Right. You know, all, and, every Sunday, every Sunday, yeah. Right, and then and then all of a sudden there was this siren that meant, you, know, you better be getting back to your to your to your land or, or to your to your you yeah, know, whatever it was. Yeah. But oh, yeah. how much did you were you aware that as a kid? Obviously, you were seeing these cats, you know, in serious 
garb and attire. You were seeing them playing yeah. all sorts of different rhythms because we know that the rhythms of Africa, they're different in almost every part of the continent. And so I right. mean, how much was it just um, in your face and how much how much education did you get from your parents about where you actually came from? My whole point here is that if you don't know where you came from, there's no way to know where you're going. And that's part where you're of going. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I just want to know about how much you were steeped with that. You know, yeah. okay. My, uh, my mother was, was, uh, raised on a, a, a plantation, you know, and, uh, and, uh, Labanaville, I mean, Napoleonville, Louisiana, you hmm. know, and, 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 and she said like, like a long time ago, a long time ago, like, like, uh, 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 some of the Indians in that area, right? The Indians would, 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 uh, would protect the runaway slaves, you know, you know, they would take them in and, you know, and they would, they would, uh, disguise them as, as the Indian, you know, you know, and, you know, and protect them, you know, and, and right there, uh, she told us how we had, we had, some cousin who was who was actually like 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 uh, 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 half breed Indians because of of, of of some of our ancestors ran away you know and, and got with the the Indians you know no this is exactly exact continue and, this is amazing yeah 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 and those she said and those guys used to come uh, you know like those uh, family members used to come back with with uh, uh, tambourines and 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 drums that they, that they get from the from the Indians you know you know. And they would, as she said, as, as kids, they would beat on the drums and and, and they would sing like old hymns and stuff, you know. I said, "Wow, mom, you know, you know, you know, you know." I said, "That's fascinating." I said, "I didn't know you were the musician." Hold on, I want, I want, I, I, this is so yeah. important. These are the kinds of stories that I want the world to to hear and see. So I just want to be clear: your mother's, uh, somebody from your mother's family, uh, connected with the. Uh, the Indians, they had a kid, and or or, yeah, yeah. or who was the kid? By the way, I mean, because and then ultimately they were getting tambourines and and things like that from, yeah. from the Native Americans. Yeah, they were getting right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you know, and you know, and and uh, and and also like like you know we you know we, we had people uh, some of the slaves had the African, you know. I mean, this like way back, man. You know, like I mean, they, they wasn't too far from the ship, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, no, the, the lineage was it was right I, there. You know, it, it, it's so crazy, man. It's not that long ago. You know, if you look at it, it's not that long ago. You see, you know, and uh, 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 it was fascinating, man. That that they were able to like uh, 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 intertwine with the Indians. You know, you know. I never knew the person's name, but but she said like so, somehow people you know ran away from you know from from the slave camp. And it was able to, uh, to 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 hang out with the Indians, you know, and you know, and learn learn some of this stuff. And when they came, some of them came back, and after it was free, they came back, you know, and you know, and and, and they would bring like uh, uh, some of the Indian culture, you know, back into the the uh, the, uh, the African culture, you know. And it was all about rhythm, you know. Indians didn't didn't really play instruments, you know, except maybe, maybe a flute, but it was all about rhythm, you know, and with the Indian beat and the African beat, man, you know, you know, you know, you know. I guess it it it, it bled over to New Orleans because Mardi Gras, all you hear, man, is is is, is just rhythm, 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 and 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 call and response. You know, you know, you sing a line and and the group answer you. You know, matter of fact, yeah, the first song I re- I recorded was called uh, Boogaloo Mardi Gras. 
and it was a call and response. You know, I'll sing a lead on that song. You know. And well, you know, I mean, that, you, I mean, let's just let you just teed it up. Let's take a listen to it, and then we'll come back and talk about. It. I got is the Bobby Williams group Boogaloo Mardi Gras. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right, let's yeah, take a listen yeah. to it, and, and, and then we and, can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, take. Let's take a listen. Here we go. Part one, nineteen sixty-five. That you're singing on that? Is that you singing? Yeah, 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 yeah. That is so. I mean, that, you can hear, you you can hear the African call and response, and then there's this. There's definitely, man. you know. But I want you to talk the about Indian. Yeah, talk about it. Hear the Indian. Uh, hear the Indian licks. All you know, all the Indian rhythm and African rhythm intertwine. You know, you know, you know. Uh, all that came from man, like like hearing those songs. Uh, 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 around Carnival time when Indians would, would, would sing those uh, call and response songs, you know. So what I did, I just fed from that, man. You know, matter of fact, that was the first uh, record recorded in New Orleans with the call and response Indian song, you know. Now, later on, uh, 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 the Wild Magnolias did something like in the 70s, but that was done like in around 69, oh, something like is, that. The song can you explain how, yeah. could you take us through the process of how this, uh, this record actually got uh, got got put on got got recorded. I mean, what it wasn't it had nothing yeah. to do with like C-Sane or Tusane or anything like that. How did that get recorded? Yeah, yeah. What happened? Uh, 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 that song was was our our, our warm up song. When we set our our amps up, you know, that microphone. The first one we played always was was that song. You know. You know, without the singing, you know, you know, like just just that that groove, you know, you know, to get us warm up. You know, Bobby loved to 
the solo, you know, on the drum, right? So we would do that song first to get the crowd fired up, man. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and and Eddie Bo happened to be at the uh, the uh, the bar that day. The the club was called the Shallow Lane, Shallow Lane Bar, you know. And we played there on Sundays, you know, like about two o'clock, maybe two to six, something like that. And Eddie Bo would come in, you know, and he heard that man, and he said, "Man." Would you guys want to record that? You know, and man, we we what we gonna be be on a, a record? You know, so we were all excited, man. You know, so in a couple of days, Edibo set it up and said we're gonna record that Cosmo Studio. You know, the world famous Cosmo Studio. <laughs> wow! Co- so we, I mean, so the, we, the name of the bar was Shadowland. Shadowland. Yeah, the Shadowlands, like Sha- Shadow. Shadowlands, wow. And so he, yeah. and yeah. so and so Eddie. I mean, I, I, you gotta hit me to this cat. I, I, he, I'm, he's not been on my radar. He obviously was a major dude before all the. I mean, who? What is his legacy to American um, roots music? Uh, he wrote some uh, hits, man. Uh, 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 the song, uh, 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 the edit, uh, edit, uh, 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 Ella James sing. Uh, All I need is someone like you. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, he wrote that song, you know, and uh, and one of the songs he did, like "Tell Her Like It Is." Uh, no, no, uh, slipping and sliding. Okay, I'm, I'm looking with, here. Eddie Bo, Eddie, Eddie Bo, 1968. Ella uh, James, my dearest darling. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he that was, was a major song for him. And did Edda come down to Cosmo Studio? I mean, so he had his own studio down there. Uh, how did he? Was it? Was he? Was the? No. I, yeah, go ahead. Well, at that time, the the studio was was Cosmo Cosmo Studio. You know, everybody recorded there, like like all like Arnett Cato, Dave Bartholomew, Fast Domino. Everybody recorded out of Cos. You know. Oh, you know. Wow. You know. Now, I'm not sure that. If Etta did her session in New Orleans, I'm not sure, but uh, but uh, but she did record that song, you know, Etta Bo's song, you know, and it was a, a, a like a major hit for her, man, you know, and that legitimate, you know, I mean, Etta was a, like a local a local legend, you know, like you know, in, around New Orleans, you know, he did all the local gigs and you know, all the big shows, radio shows, stuff like that, and he had some uh, just local hits, you know, but that song like was like a a mainstream hit, you know, for. Um, Ella James, you know. These cats, so, so um, Ed, you know, I mean, this is so fascinating. I mean, you, you, you can you talk, a, I, you know, I've talked to cats that uh, clearly was there a functioning Chitlin circuit in and around the southeastern part of the United States that you went on at some point, whether with Bobby or Eddie Bo. Uh, no, Joe Simon. Joe, si- Joe Simon. Yeah. Joe Simon. Yeah. You want to talk? I want to know. I want to know about these these types. This Chitlin circuit, and because it was, I I mean, at this time, Paul. I mean, you go out to the West Coast, and it was a guy named Charles Sullivan. He owned all all the Thumbwork Black Clubs until it was a mob hit, and he got killed. Okay, and wow, yeah, man. I mean, I mean, I'm digging deep. I'm going back to Johnny Talbot and the Fangs. I talked to Johnny the other day. You know, and it's like yeah. you know, Dyke and the Blazers. This was all. Okay, this was all. This was all. This was all black uh, economy. This was a full black. Yeah. You know, this yeah. was 
all I'm just talking about California. Can you talk about that that economy that existed in the Chitlin circuit that you went on with Joe Simon, what that looked like? Yeah, well okay, now now we're talking about like where we went there's all the East Coast stuff, you know, like south, you know, like from from, from uh from Louisiana all the way up to Chicago, you know, and everything else on the East Coast, you know, like New York, New England, Boston, all that, all the way down to Florida. You no, know, so Miami. so what were the, that's this that's is interesting. I, I've known, I, yeah, you're darn right about that. So the Chitlins, because the Chitlin circuit was like, you know, snake. There was just, you know, yeah, the dances and, yeah. and the floorboards were coming out and the boogie woogie. But yeah, man, within that, yeah, within man. that breadbasket, though, you know, like a, like the Alabamas and the Mississippi's. Was was there a Chitlin circuit there, or was it? Did you jump over that above the Mississippi and go straight to Chicago? Was there stuff down there in the southeast? Yeah, well, uh, when you get like around Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Carolina, Georgia, like that, uh, 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 Arkansas, that's a chilling circuit. That's the real southern stuff where you where, where you pull up on a on a dust road, man, and go way back somewhere to some little some little bar, man, you know, you know, and. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this you know, is what I want to. This is, but this is it, this it's, is it's pretty rough, bro. You know. Oh but, man, I mean, but, it, I, but, I, I know, but, no, but they, yeah. But they want to see Joe Simon. You know, they, they want to see Joe Simon. You know, and and, and and these guys, these promoters, they had to book these shows because these are the folks that bought the records. You know, they supported Joe Simon. They bought the record, man. We never did play in California. You know, or, 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 or West Coast. You know, although Joe was. Spent some time in the West Coast, but we never played. We always played the the, uh, the children's circuit, man. I mean, we were doing like like man, like one nighters every night. We 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 out there, man, up and down the highway, man, playing these little places, and it was rough. Now some places, man, like Alabama, and we you know we ran ran across some some real stuff where they they, they wouldn't feed us at a truck stop, you know, you know, and these truck drivers. You know, no, they see our 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 bus up and down the highway, so they would, you know, they would know we traveling the same route. They they traveling, so these truckers, they 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 heard the uh, the, the ladies say that they're not gonna serve our kind, you know, in, in restaurant. And now this this 1968, you know. <laughs> I'm really this <laughs> is know, important, and, man. And, this and, is really in Alabama, man. And these truck drivers say, well. If you don't feed these guys, these guys have been traveling longer than we have. They're hungry. These are white truck drivers. They say, if you don't feed these guys, I'm going to get on my radio and, and, and tell every trucker, don't ever stop at this place again. Wow. And man. Whoa. You're talking, about, you're talking about a big change, a big change on their faces, you know? Wow, man. So, you know, they, you know, they, you know, they, they, they fed us, man. You know, and we, you know, we, you know, we are so proud that these guys stood up for us, you know, you know? But uh, that that was part of that that southern children's circuit, man. You know, you know, not everywhere wasn't like that. Now, you know, no, no, I, mean, I know you're. Know, no, this is you know, the, the, because everybody but, talks but, about the everybody talks about the the Chitlin circuits in the upstate New York and Chicago. Again, it was different. That was the. The, the, that was not the confet. That was not below the Mason Dixon line. That was a. It was different. Right. Guy. And right. this. And like I it mean, was, I'm, it was different. I mean, Youssef Latif. You know, I just transcribed this article from a uh, just this interview that I did with Mike Knock, who's a piano player, and they were in Colorado, uh, and you know, one 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 station, one road town, and 
you know, I mean, people were just staring at them. It was an Australian and three African-Americans. And it was like, they were, I mean, it was not a good vibe. I mean, it started to snow. Wow, Their car man. broke down. Like they, Colorado, like, man. Wow. Yeah, bro. but I mean, you know, you look at it now and it's like different time. But I, could you, could you say that when you were on these, obviously you were singing for your supper and, and you were playing great soul music and R&B with Joe Simon, but, and, and, and all that stuff. But was it a an emboldening experience for you to see your own people and say, hey, listen, this is scary for us too, but we're just going to keep moving forward, playing this music and trying to shift consciousness. Was there, was that part of the social consciousness movement? That was, that, that, that was the whole thing, man. The whole, the whole thing, well, we got to like get this music out of here, you know, you know, we got to keep doing what we're doing. Although it was scary times from, from time on the highway, you know, but, but we had to keep, keep doing what we had to do, man. You know, you know, cause you know, I mean, the song that Joe Simon recorded back back in the day was very important to American music because he was a, a major soul singer of that time. You see, so we had to keep going on with what we do, man. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and our goal was to uh, produce music and keep it going and, and, and keep the thing you know happening because uh, we couldn't give up. I mean, I mean, they, they, they just couldn't. You know, the, uh, the the way society was going at the time. We couldn't let fear stop us from from traveling and keep going. We, 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 you know, you know. Although we're rough traveling at that time, you know. Uh, but uh, was your did you ever did you ever feel like there was a point where, or an experience that you could share where you felt like you, where your life might be in danger? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, a, a few times, you know, not not too many, but a few times it got pretty pretty rough, you know, where uh, 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 we woke up one morning and we found like uh, some stickers on our on our trailer, you know, all over the trailer, you know, in, the, in, in our van, you know, saying like, you know, like, uh, we are watching you, you know, you know, <laughs> that kind hmm. of stuff, you know, you know, and that kind of like, look, man, it was kind of like scary. Let's, let's, let's do the gig and get out of this town, you know, and go to the next one, you know. Well, all, although we all we we did not, notify a local sheriff that 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 it happened. They came out, looked at it, and said, "Like, don't worry, you know." So they protected us, you know. You know, they put extra guys around our hotel that night, made sure nothing happened, you know. So, so it wasn't everybody, man. You, you know that 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 act out there, man. That that really supported Joe Simon and and they understood the music, they loved the music. But you know, like right now, man, just a handful of people like feel certain ways, you know. It's not everybody, you know. No, I mean, I, but, uh, I just I wonder that, but, about I wonder. I, so, yeah, no, because I mean, I talked yeah. to. Uh, do you know? Uh, do you know who Papa Molly is? Yeah, yeah, sure do. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so he was in a band called the Killer Bees, and mm -hmm. uh, this was uh, with um, uh, Michael Johnson, who was a Vietnam War veteran, and and it was all it was. Uh, Papa was the only white cat in the band. This is like 1980. And it's a long. Yeah. It's a, it's. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but the point is, they were driving on this highway in Louisiana, going. From, well, they, you know, going to a gig, um, they were going from a gig, they were going to their gig and they saw like one of these clan bookstores on the side of the road, you know, piping propaganda and they, uh, they yeah, kind of yelled yeah. at him was, you know, sort of catcalling them. And, and then so they finished their gig somewhere and they're driving home at very late at night. And all of a sudden these, these guys in paramilitary gear pull them over on the side of the road and, um, 
and they have them all laid down on the side of the road. And it's an inspirational story because uh, Michael Johnson, wow. who's a two, two a Purple Heart uh, recipient in Vietnam, he they all had him down on the road, and they identified themselves as Klan. This is nineteen. Yeah. This is nineteen eighty. Okay. He's like, no, not that, that's not that long ago. And, you know, not long ago, man. slowly, I mean, again, it was wow. three, three, four in the morning. So this on this highway there, there, there just wasn't a lot of traffic at that time. But every yeah. time a car sped by, uh, Michael kept inching closer and closer to the highway. And then at one point when they heard a car coming, he actually rolled out into the middle of the road and the car had to spin off on the side and go into, you know, sort of off onto the side of the road. And, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 it stopped and and he stopped and he was kind of spooked obviously but it 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 did its purpose in the sense that the clan got spooked and they jumped back in their cars and they took off a uh, long story Whoa, short man yeah well scary, i mean man. this is i mean they yeah. were all bought, they were freaked out they wound up getting to the next truck stop and you know they called the fbi they probably were on the phone for an hour trying to get a hold of somebody but when they did uh they were like you know uh we're aware of clan activity down in that area in fact uh, there have been a lot of situations where people have just in that exact stretch of highway have just disappeared, you know, so you're very, wow, you know, man. and, and, and yeah. so that's what I'm talking about is like this to me is almost, I mean, you see this, but you know what, Paul, nothing has changed. It's just that we now have technology to show this stuff yeah. in real time. Right. I mean, has anything right, right, real really, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, has anything, yeah. Have have we really? Ma- I'm asking you as somebody who's been on the earth a lot longer than I have, and then quite frankly learned from the masters. I mean, do you feel like we've made progress, or have we actually been? Be, have we just kind of stopped, or at, at this point? Because no, go ahead. We made progress. We made progress. You know. You know. I mean. You know. That's that's like I say, there's a handful, a handful of that kind of activity. You know, still going on, but but. But uh, like you say, under uh, it was under the radar back then. But now with the with so much so, social media, and, uh, and I mean they got news like on TV twenty four twenty four seven. So so they you know they kind of like watchdogs for everything. So they, and, and report everything. So you know so as as a people, as a people, we've come a long way. You know you know you know we came a long way as a people, but. Which can you can yes, you talk very, could you talk specifically about the progress your people have made? I this is important. Well, uh, because you know what it is. You know what it is, Paul. Yeah, we, I, you know what it is. I, I yeah. what it is is this is like I get that what I I didn't I didn't articulate it very well. It, yes, this stuff can be caught in real time. The problem is, some dude gets blown away by a cop in Minnesota and he doesn't, oh, yeah, and there's yeah. no, but there's no justice. You understand what I'm saying? Maybe the, maybe the actual incident is picked up on social media and it gets a lot of legs, but there still is no right. justice. Okay. The justice. No, so, well, that part there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I bet I want to know, give me a couple of things where you, I mean, the trucker story to me is very, these were white truckers who said, these cats have been driving all night. You better feed them or we're going to tell everybody not to come here anymore. So that right. they're, yeah, they're, yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. is inspiring. Yeah. They, yeah. So it just, up for us, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in what ways have you have you can you can you quantitatively say that you your your people have made real progress? Well, coming from from where I came from in in the sixties, when when uh, when you know when uh uh you know uh 
it wasn't much much uh, a black man could do, you know, you know, other than like like play music or you know work work you know for somebody, you know, and uh, but we the point now where 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 education is 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 open for everybody. The music industry is open for everybody, you know. There's no really no boundaries, you know. I mean, you can do what you want to do in the music business, you know. If the youth are like be successful, you know how much you want to put your time in it. So, if you want to waste time uh, being prejudiced and, and and you know and 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 share this stuff, you know, like like you can do that, waste your time, or you can be productive and do and do do all uh, uh, as much right as you can, you know. For your brother, you know, whether it be black or white, whatever, you know, and uh, treat everybody the same, you know, and 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 you know, and, and those like, uh, as a people, we've come a long way, you know, uh, in businesses, you know, we own businesses, and 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 we're educated. You know, well, I, I will say this. I will. I will say that. That I, I just I don't know if you ever uh, cross paths with uh, uh, Indugu Chancellor, the drummer. He uh, he played with no 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 heavy heavy jazz drummer, but also played on, on Michael Jackson's famous albums like Thrill, you know heavy studio cat in L.A. But he's French Creole from New Orleans, and I just met him in person for the first time after doing a couple interviews with him and um, out, in, out in California. And he he just he talked about how his dad had a successful business, but then eventually he was run out of town by 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 uh by the white people and so they had to move to los wow. angeles so i mean wow. so so i mean yeah. economically there's more up- yeah, see, there, yeah 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 there's more upward mobility um uh in that sense do you still feel i mean you guys you and porter no centelli the nevels uh you know the list goes on and on and on you guys are the graybeards can you talk about this newer generation, my generation of people that, and if the lineage of the music in your mind is still as strong, do the cats understand about the black Native American pride and the culture? Do they, do, are they curious enough to go back and want to learn about rhythm or have they been sucked into the digitization of music where they're just sampling beats and doing things just because of the convenience and the, um, and because of the cost effectiveness of it. Well, in New Orleans, the guys that 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 come to New Orleans, yeah. you know, whether it, whether they, they they come down for the music or, or come down to uh, to college, you know, to, to our uh, universities, and they go out and they hear our music, you know, they hear our music, and they hear what what New Orleans is about, and, and you and you hear these guys are more into like getting it right, you know. They're not worried about the new beats, you know. They want to play the funk that they hear in, in New Orleans, mm. you know. And and, mm. and, and, and they, Im- they imitate they imitate my bass lines off of uh, Eddie Bow stuff, uh, uh, hook and slang, and and uh, 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 the bucket, uh, you know, uh, uh, check your bucket. They imitate those those bass lines, man. And and, and these new kids are really into. You know, not I speak about New Orleans now, because because there's other other uh, song, uh, other uh, uh, kids out there playing music, man. That I have no idea what where they're going with it, because it has no substance. You know, it just I don't know, man. No, you know, so okay, so, I, the, the, this is, so 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 these cats, 
are they those cats that you're playing with that have no substance is because they um, are are not they're not tapping into the New Orleans music. They're not tapping into it and understanding it. You know, not not understanding where where it comes from. Like you said earlier, you say you gotta know where you where you where you come from to, to know where you're going. Right. You know, these guys. If you come down here, you know, like I mean, learn learn where it. Where does music come from? You know, like where, where does this, this funk come from? Where does this jazz come from? Right, right, right. Where does this blues, this blues come from? You know, Stevie Ray Vaughan did it well. He started playing guitar. He went straight to Albert, Albert, uh, Albert King. You know, right. Albert Collins, B.B. Right. King. He learned from. Well, if I'm going to play blues, I got to learn from the best blues guys around, and he did that and became one of the best. Guitar players, you see, of our time, you see, you know, one of them, you know, because he he did his homework and 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 uh, he researched where it came from, and 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 right now, man, they got a lot of bands in New Orleans. Like these these kids are really playing well. They're playing very well. They're playing funk. They understand where it comes from. They're into it. They they even taking taking it to the next next level, you know. And there's a lot of young young bands down here, man. That that sound really really good really great because they understand the music and they want to learn about the rhythm of new orleans and the bass lines and the and the, and the piano parts and the horn parts look at a, a, a trombone shorty man you know sure sure yeah, no man, i mean this is so important this is old, old so school, old school stuff you know? yeah i mean uh is it um and what about uh you know uh could you just talk a little bit about um, is it more about their, like the licks that they're playing, so you can hear that they are going back to the lineage, or is it about like what we taught, what we started opening about, which is just sort of like this, the indigenous feel of it, and they're not all hyped up on uh, perfection. I mean, is it a combination of both? Is it uh, how can you tell that they are, uh, and that and that, I mean, because let's face it, I mean, I, so many cats that I talk to, they, they. Uh, they they learned organic. They, they, they a lot of the stuff they can't even explain why they did it. You know, like I mean, it's, sometimes it's just totally a, a spirit. It's just you're, it's built into you. So I mean, I, so how do you know? I mean, is it is it is it a, is it the old school? Uh, you know, are they blending the the style of the old school, or is it also just the idea of that you can really see that they are feeling the music and that you know they're gonna basically if somebody plays the wrong there are no wrong notes so if somebody plays the wrong note they all go there with them i mean something like that right 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 you know uh, 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 uh all everybody's not gonna have the feel you know see you know because that's that's like that's that's why you, you got like a, a certain guy would would be uh on top of the game and and, and last a long time you know because a lot of guys uh, 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 uh don't have the feel you know and you know, and they learn the licks. They learn the licks. They learn all New Orleans licks and all that stuff, and they play it. They play it well, you know. But the few guys and the few musicians, the few bands that have that feel, those are the guys you 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 hear about more. You see, you know. And when you listen to them, you can you can you, you can just hear that it's more than just technical with them. You know, it's about feel. The whole mm -hmm. thing about feel, man, everything, even like Zigaboo, man. Zigaboo 
just had a feel on the drums, man. You know, just 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 a feel. You see, you know, if he can't play nothing else, if he can't play country western, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if he can't play blues, he got a feel for the funk, man. You know, you know, you know, and it's, it's genuine. You see, what I'm saying, you know. But uh, okay, genuine, so let me know? ask you. But this is so important. Because this is so great, man, to talk to you because, um, because, okay, like the cats that that eventually uh i mean the meters were beyond in the sense of like um i mean they were they they absolutely had an impact on all these peeps all over the country that were hearing with the music that they were playing but do you the okay so but those cats were you know i've interviewed porter no centelli i don't know about zig mm -hmm. those cats were steeped in jazz Okay, so yeah, so they definitely. knew they yeah. knew jazz, and then eventually there was no word in the lexicon for funk. Okay, that someone mm, no, you, you no, know this yeah. people say, "Yo, let, someone was, Bobby was like, let's play something like a funky blues." You know, let's play a funky yeah. blues, something like that. Yeah. Was, no, there's no word to say let's play some funk. Okay, eventually that word yeah. came into the lexicon. So now you have cats who are playing funk, but they didn't never learn jazz. So I mean that to me is like, do you understand? I mean, Man, you, understand? you just said something. You're right. You're right. You're right. You are absolutely right. You know. <laughs> so I mean, my point you is know, that that Zig Zig was playing. He may not have been playing bebop, but he had a deep bag of jazz. I think as a foundation yeah, yeah, before he yeah, started playing yeah. what he was feeling. Right. Yeah. Well, Leo did. Oh, Leo was Leo, Leo was I, Leo, Leo, yeah, Leo yeah. George Porter. Now, now, uh, uh, Art Neville. Had a few of R and B always, and like he came up with 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 just just a soulful R and B thing, man. Because you, know, you know, you know, you know, but but uh, but Leo definitely was 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 a, was a jazz guitar player, man. You know, he had a, even had a, a Gibson a, a three thirty five, you know, like in jazz guitar, and and John Porter played behind a lot of jazz guys. He played behind Jane Rivers back in the, in, in the days, you know. So all of them had jazz background. I think what happened with that combination is when you put Leo's guitar uh, jazz chops and George Porter chops and 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 uh, uh, and Zigaboo with the street beat. You see, say so again, the street beat, the street beat. Yeah, he had a yeah, he had a, a street beat. What? No, what, okay, so <laughs> let, let, let's be clear. I know. See, this is so good. So that, I mean, because in modern day lexicon, you would it would be very hard to find a radio station that plays street beat music. So that's just like. A comb like is that just a gumbo beat? I mean, I, I really want you to, if you can unpack that. I this is what it's yeah. about. This is what because all those cats were street scholars. The street beat was a uh, 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 the second line music. You know, the 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 stuff you hear. I dig. I dig. I dig. Line, I dig. You know, I like, dig. You know, like the second line coming down the street. You know, they got that. But you that's a street beat, you know. And Zigaboo took that beat, you know, and played that on the on the on the trap set, you see, you know. You know, you know, and he slowed it down a little bit with that. You know. And with that and Leo's jazz chops, man, you know, like giving them those those uh, uh, uh guitar licks to play, you know, the, the rhythm, you know, that became the meters and that and that was a new kind of funk coming out of New Orleans, you see, you know. That was totally, totally new and different. When those guys started recording, everybody was like, wow, you know. 
and and, and right till today, all the guys you hear that they call themselves funk bands or playing or some kind of form of the early media stuff, you know. If some here's some, the, here's some, the, yeah. some play it well, some 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 can't capture it because, like you say, they don't have the feel. Well, but it's also so like some, you can't you cannot. I mean, you can't transcribe. An, you can you can transcribe an Elvin Jones solo or a Zig solo, but it's not going to feel the right way. It's not going to come out the right. Yeah, I don't feel the same way. You know, no, no, no. You know, oh, and it's no, it's no. like it'd be no, it'd be all it'd be no, it'd, 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 it'd be just digits. Exactly. It'd be notes. Exactly. It's just, it's yeah. just, you just become a craftsman. It has nothing to do with being a musician, and so so right, it's like. Right. I mean, you know, it, I guess that because I'm talking like. I'm talking about New York's – well, for the record, by the way, I, the, when I interviewed Leo, uh, I, I opened up by asking him, I said, you, what, is it fair to say that you would have been – you would have easily been able to waltz into the New York studio scene as, as, a, as a jazz guitar player? Jazz guitar player. And he said, wow, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, absolutely that was the case. But, so, yeah. but, but he stayed yeah. in, his, in his regional hotbed. Um, it was the sound – so – because I'm talking like the, the New York studio cats and everybody out in California, everyone I talk to, because I all talk to the, your generation, they say, you know, the meters was just, when we heard that sound, it was completely mind-blowing. Did it, do you think, uh, do you think that it had to do with the fact that Zig wasn't really coming from a, uh, how should I put this, bebop or, you know, straight-ahead jazz yeah. background? It was more the straight. That's why. Right. That's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah, that combination, man. See, you know, that that accidental combination. Because I used to hear those guys, man, playing at, at, on Bourbon Street, and they were just they were just doing like cover songs, man. You know, <laughs> you know, they were doing cover songs, you know, like like impression songs. They were doing James Brown song, Temptation song, you know, you know, and then all of a sudden, man, they they develop they develop this funk thing, man, and, and that becomes that uh, 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 Sister Strut was was uh, 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 was developed from from a, uh, uh, a break song that that everybody played a little jazz uh, everybody played it on break you know it, it's a little jazz guitar that everybody played before they take a break and Leo got tired playing that so he came up with Sister Strut. <laughs> no, no, let, no, let, like, let, let, let's, let, 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 let's just, let's just go. I want to, no, I want to, I want to, I want to just humor you for a minute. I want to read this because this, this came from my interview with, uh, with, with Leo. Leo. He said, uh, there was a song called hold it. And I would say seven, out, seven out of 10 bands would open up their show <laughs> with that tune. We used to play that tune at the, yeah. I, the Ivanhoe in New Orleans. I, yeah, I'm telling you, yeah. I got yes. stuck playing the solo because everyone else was playing the same solo. There was this melody yes. that was going back and forth in my head for maybe two or three years. I introduced the melody to everybody and said, maybe we can work this out and see if it feels good enough to open our set with. Wow. That melody wow. was the melody to Sissy Strut. And he goes Sissy on to talk. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, really, man. I mean, you're – this is – so, I mean – what were you doing parallel to them at that time? Were you with Bobby? Were you? I mean, I I am. I was Eddie Bolt. You were with Eddie, Eddie Bolt I mean, at, at, yeah. the, at the same place, the same the same club, the Ivanhoe. Ivanhoe. Oh my God! We were they would play they would play earlier, you know, like earlier, you know, you know, you know, and we would play like 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 I think starting at midnight, eleven o'clock, and we go till daybreak, man, you know. So 
So I was able like to come in there, you know, you know, like and hear a couple of his steps, you know, you know. And plus, I was good friends with with uh, uh, Poland, all of them, you know, bigger boy, you know. So you know, uh, and uh, and I would hear him, man, you know, I, I I I would hear them developing, you know, their style, you know, you know, they would get just to me funkier and funkier, you know, <laughs> and they came up. Yeah, man, and 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 and, and, and it was Zigaboo. Zigaboo was 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 just just street, you know. Yeah, just just just, just, what, just street was, beat, man. What, you know, what, the, uh, Eddie 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 played piano. Who was your drummer? No, Bobby Williams. Bobby Williams. So, what was Bobby's? St- was he a street drummer too? Yes, yes, indeed. Man. Okay, so yeah. I want to know. All this that. is yeah, this is yeah. so important. So, I mean, Eddie, Bo- your group. I mean, it was different, but. Were you also channeling that same? I mean, you you picked up the bass in '65. I mean, Porter basically picked up the bass too. I think he played guitar too. But somebody said you don't you play pretty bad guitar, so he started to play yeah. bass. <laughs> play bass, you yeah, know. Maybe, so I mean, yeah. did you? Were you? I mean, is it fair to say that what were you guys doing that was the language that you were putting out to the audience when you'd play alongside of him? Was it well? Go ahead. Uh oh. Uh, James Brown was 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 also developing uh, 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 his style, you know. Right. You no, know, no, James Brown was, was was definitely like 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 influenced on me too, you know. You know, you know, and uh, 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 and Motown, Motown had put the bass out front. You see, Jamerson. Yeah, the bass the bass was also any kind of funk came from a bass. Had to come from Jameson because there was nothing before that. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? There was there was nothing nothing before that. Well, there was know? no there, that, yeah. There was not. I mean, there was like Bill Black or he'd play upright with Elvis. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, but yeah. that wasn't the same kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, Motown was no. was cooking. This bass was out front, man. I like like what is he doing? You know, I mean, way out front, man. So 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 all bass players, you know, like like in my time, you know, like one of the to hit something like James, you know. So, so I played with a lot of force back then, you know. So, so I was out. I made sure the bass was out front, you know, because I heard that with Motown. So I figured, like, I said, well, this must be the new thing. Put this bass out front and stomp it, step on it, you know, you know. And uh, so, so we had a pretty funky little band, you know, you know, you know, you know. We was uh, we were doing basically the uh, cover songs like everybody else was doing, like cover songs back then. But we had a couple of song that we wrote like Boogaloo Mardi Gras and uh, a few other songs that you know, we probably even didn't even name the song and you know, we just did them on the gig you know oh no exactly you know? yeah yeah did, yeah, did you, know? you did yeah. you uh did you know cats like Ed Blackwell and James Black those drummers oh yeah man can you yeah, talk James about Black. those cats I mean the, the the rhythm again those cats were playing uh, uh you know I've done like four interviews with Ellis Marsalis and I mean, the groove on on those records is yeah. ferocious, and it is definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I know, it, man. You know, man. Like, I mean, what did those guys mean to the lexicon of? I, I don't like the word jazz, but I'll just call it melodic improvisation. But in your mind, what? How did they stretch the lineage of of melodic improvisation, specifically James Black and and Blackwell? Yeah, what James Black did with uh. uh, uh with music, uh, 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 he showed that 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 you can uh, uh, not stay in a box, you know, not play in a box. A lot of jazz guys, you know, they they always good players, but you know they could be in a box, 
Jane Black would play way outside the box all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, like all the time. You know, I mean, it, 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 he can play, he can turn the beat around on you, man. And if you're not counting it and, and concentrating, you'll get lost. He can he can put the the snare on the bass drum pattern and vice versa, you see. You know, he can he, he can do anything he want on drums. And that was the the complexity of, of, of James Black. You know, he was very, very different. He played outside the box all the time. And that's why a guy like Yusef Latif wanted him on his session because James could do that, and, you know, and he can write like that too, you know. And uh, that's that's a, a, a George Davis, me and James Black on Hook and Sling. Excuse me? That's Hook and it. Sling was James? Yeah. You, uh, wait, and, and who was and George Davis? Yeah, George Davis, guitar player. Did he wind Me up, on bass? Did he wind up going to New York? New York, yeah. yeah. Oh my years, god, dude! Yeah, his yeah. this because he wound up the, his his use of the the wah pedal. I think he was the best wah player I've ever heard in my life. I mean, he wow. was unbelievable. So you, George Davis, and James yeah. Black were playing. James Black and he had it both. Yeah. Hook, hook and, and sling. Hook yeah. and sling. All right, yeah. you just basically blew my mind already. I mean, this is out of out of control. I mean, you know, listen, Paul. I don't. Know, I would. Can we do part two next week? Because we've been cooking here for over an over an hour here, and uh, sure, we man. got a lot sure, more to man. talk about. But I, I just, I'm having a ball with you, man. I just, I honestly think that you guys are honestly one of the maybe the only backstop of a major city left when it comes to regional music. I don't see uh, with full interconnection now. Uh, the cities are dying. I mean, you have gentrification. You have uh, the culture being pushed off the streets in Los Angeles, and yeah. in New York, and yeah. in Chicago. I mean, mm. it's, these places are all of a sudden, quote unquote. You go to Harlem now, and it's all gentrified. You know, and I'm not trying to put go wow, back. Man. You know, I'm wow. not. I'm not trying to go into a time warp here. This is not about preservation. This is about promotion because. Yeah. And one of the few places left that still have the second line bands. And the Mardi Gras Indians, and obviously, like you said, some of the younger cats who are authentically trying to reach that apex of the you know closer to the They're source. Trying. It's They're in trying. New Orleans. Yeah. It's in yeah. Nola. All right, it's in New Orleans. You know, and that to me, yeah. to be able to pick the brains of guys that have been on this earth and creating with the original masters a lot longer than we have is that's what my show's about, man. So I'm uh, much love to you. It's so great to connect with you, brother. Jake has been a blast, man. Yeah, no, we'll do it. We'll re- we'll do it. I'm gonna put it. I'll get you a copy of this, and I'll be transcribing our stories and blasting them out all over new media. But yeah, let's do part two next awesome. week sometime. All right. Okay, Jake. Cheers, man. Have a beautiful Fourth of July, man. Okay, you too, man. Later, all right. dude. Stay Later. cool. Yeah, Stay be, cool, bro. Be, be cool, man. Later. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Just another legend here on the Jake Feinberg Show, uh, Mr. Paul Boudreaux, who uh, uh, amazingly enough played on uh, uh, Hook and Sling with James Black and George Davis. I mean, that to me is just some of the most ferocious funk in the world. He also did a ton of work and sang, as we heard, with uh, with uh, with the drummer uh, Bobby Williams and uh, played right alongside the uh, the cats that were uh, you know that 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 really defined uh, the funk New Orleans funk which was the meters um, and we will be back uh, with Craig Pretzinger on the Jake Feinberg show right after this.
Thank you.